This is Larry Zerner, Shelley from Friday 13th Part 3. You're on Nightmare Junkhead. Hey, genius, fuck you too. In and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, or a podcast that has always preferred fancy feast over friskies. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're looking to the skies in terror, as for the remainder of November, we're talking sci-fi horror, and we start with Neil Blomkamp's District 9. And whether or not you eat shellfish, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your <laughs> hole. <laughs> of course, if you uh, are scrolling out there uh, on social media, man, that really threw me off. That was good. That was quite good. Uh, you can find us on social media. We are on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And of course, it is on that book of face where we again have events tab, which again leads to shenanigans and cyber shenanigans. And as this episode is releasing on Friday, November 13th, Screenland Armor again, they've got your genre needs met indoors, outdoors, and virtually. (laughs) And as this episode is, uh, if you are here in the Kansas City area on that Friday, Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. This is... There will be blood. The last Friday the 13th of 2020. Mm-hmm. And will be the... You l- know what? The The last normal day we had in 2020 was Friday the 13th back in March. Was it? Maybe this will be the last fucking weird day we'll have is the Friday the 13th in November. They're going to bookend? Maybe. I would like to think so because the next one isn't until August of 2021. So what better film to bring out then... Let's just say this. Originally, it was going to be Jason Goes to Hell, uh-huh. the final Friday, uh-huh. which I was kind of pushing for. Mm-hmm. I love me some Creighton Duke. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Pink dress, pink, uh, the pink dress, <laughs> hot dog, the, the, the donuts. Oh, yeah, the whole thing. But went with a classic. Part four, the final, the final chapter. Can't go wrong with the Corey. <laughs> I mean, that is actually one of the best Friday the 13th. And on any given day, it's probably my favorite. It's usually two, four, and six mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, I go two, four. I go almost the odd numbers. I go two, four, six, ten. Those are all even numbers, genius. But they're odd. <laughs> oddly even? Yeah, they're oddly oh, even. We'll call that genius math. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's extra fuzzy math. <laughs> but if you go back to our main feed, it's actually one of the many Friday the 13th commentary tracks that we've provided of which actually we've done two four five and six mm-hmm. so a lot of love yes. with all of those but then if you're looking towards our next friday night fright oh goodness Ooh. this is an i've seen that for me and it's a kind of a shameful i've seen that which i know and i've seen that is never supposed to be shameful uh-huh because there's the joy of seeing it for the first time that following friday for the first time i'm gonna see Sam Raimi's Dark Man. 
I'm so excited for you. The fact that you're going to see it the first time on the big screen, that is super rad because this I, is Sam Raimi's Batman. It's everything. When I say Sam Raimi's Batman, you instantly have some 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 ideas of what mm-hmm. it is. It is. It is exactly it. This is the best Batman movie that's not a Batman movie. And the worst part is, I like literally, we could do an entire episode on Darkman without me actually having seen it because of so many bits and pieces that I have seen, but I've never seen from start to finish. Oh. So I cannot wait. I cannot wait on that. You'll have the elephant. The pink one. (laughs) And then, of course, um, also indoors, Dr. Strange loves how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. So prescient. There's no fighting in the war room. We got to we got to pertain our precious bodily fluids. Mm -hmm. This is a movie that I saw for a film class for the first time. It's funny then. It's funny now. But as you said, scary, scarily prescient. But young George C. Scott in this movie. Who's still the, old. <laughs> Even young George C. Scott's old George C. Scott. That's <laughs> why he's C, so cantankerous. The C for cantankerous. Exactly. Uh, but definitely fun. And <clears throat> if you wanted to, definitely an interesting comedy double feature technically, but the 25th anniversary of Kevin Smith's Mallrats. Yeah, with Ethan Embry. It, it's not a schooner. That's the thing. <laughs> Depending on how you look at the painting, you will see either Ethan Embry <laughs> or Ethan Suplee. Exactly. Either you'll see the schooner or the picture from the Devil's Candy. It's one of the two. But either way, you're staring at a picture. So. We'll show up early for the pre-show and hopefully then something that I threw in there will be a thing for genius. But all of you that might be out there. But then outdoors as well, uh, they've got two uh, ones that are kind of chilly and both very tender in many ways on friday they're doing edward scissorhands oh that's a good one which features anthony michael hall as a bully for i think like the first time ever yeah which was such a role reversal at the time and the last role for vincent bryce yes sadly rest in peace and then that following night the fantastic mr fox wes anderson movies are fucking charming i thoroughly enjoy wes anderson movies in fact uh i really enjoy fantastic mr fox and i'm looking forward to his new one so that new one looks cool. The French Dispatch? Yeah, the French. Ooh la la. Oh, don't even, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going <laughs> to grab the hand even though I can't. Telepathic. Damn it, I missed. Now, can't if you're, stop the pop. <laughs> oh, Lord, my apologies. And this is on the free main feed, man. <laughs> now, of course, if, you, if you're not feeling indoors or outdoors, well, virtually, we'll take care of you as well because we have our next Shutter Shutout mm-hmm. where we're asking the question, what's up, Doc? And we are going to be streaming two documentaries mm-hmm. off of Shutter, mm-hmm. and I'm excited. I'm, you know, and you know what? Theoretically, we can do more documentaries because there's still a lot of good stuff out there. But I think we chose two good ones. Well, seeing as this is going to then release on Saturday, uh, October 14th, mm-hmm. the day after Friday the 13th, we strike back. We needed something in that world, and our first one that we're going to be viewing is Kane Hodder's. To Hell and Back, mm-hmm. which I had the chance to view a few months ago. It was actually through, well, God, whichever, the Chattanooga Film Festival. It's wonderful. Be prepared to cry. I have the book. I haven't read it yet. It's it's quite good. It's quite good. But then we're following Kate that Potter up. story is amazing anyway. Oh, it's, it's such a, like a, like, yeah, you can do this. And also the fact that he shows up for a brief second in the movie Hard Bodies. 
He's one. He's one of. He's one of the Beach Street Toughs. Really? Oh yes. Oh shit. Blink did and you'll miss Gaines, him. Did Courtney Gaines t- uh, like flip him off in forty-seven different languages? That's why Jason can do the same thing. <laughs> Hard bodies. But then we're following that up with uh, Haunters: Art of the Scare, mm-hmm. which I've heard nothing but good things about. All about. And I'm excited too because I worked in a haunted house and I want to see how this goes. And I love haunted houses. Which mean now? Listen, listen. All of that is for free technically if you're with Shutter, and of course they do have a seven day trial if you have not already joined but mm-hmm. if you would like to maybe hear tales of geniuses oh goodness I, I don't know if it's debauchery or joyful haunted house nanigans or if it will haunt you uh, we do have a customized pre-show intro trailer reel and juicy post-film discussion mm-hmm. and of course you all you have to do is join the screenland film family by heading over to patreon.com slash screenland and of course, that is the tip of the tier. There are so much more to offer oh, within yes. there. Absolutely. A lot of good stuff. Now, of course, if we are talking Patreon. Jump the gun on that one. That's Sorry. Okay. That's okay. Jump right into it. Apologies. Hey, Pally. <laughs> anyway, you know what? They deserve a buildup, but you know what? Also, they deserve the nice organic <laughs> interplay there. No, of course. Listen, wanted to give a special shout out to another a member of our uh, Nightmare Junkhead film family, uh, Andrea Munoz. Super cat. We have talked about her before, but I wanted to give a special shout out to her podcast, The Black Magic Coven Podcast. She's got a black magic coven. Which not only features Andrea, but a number of some of our favorite people here in the Kansas City area, including Liz, mm-hmm. Kaylee, mm-hmm. and then down from south, uh, Marissa. And all together, and if you know them, you know their personalities, you know their film knowledge, you, the chemistry, it's perfect. It's why the coven works. Uh-huh. Uh, and Cast and spells. And they are about four episodes in at this point, but they're part of the Crickets podcast network, mm-hmm. which... Should ring familiar to someone here, <laughs> because uh, Genius, you are kind of the hardest working man in podcasting, I'm convinced. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, I got like I got some fun ones between and, talking about purges and then talking about bathing my milk. And uh, they can find that at uh, what? Super Creepy Fun Time Hour, where it's me and uh, Casey Canton, and we go out and we talk about weird, wild shit. Just random ass fun things, all with a super creepy spin on it. And what I love of the fact that it is very localized, uh, especially the Black Magic Coven show, is the fact that you know Andrea, Liz, and Kelly, uh, Kaylee all live here in, mm-hmm. in the area. And of course, we're all skyping and zooming in. Of course, but I love the fact that there is such a great genre community here that gathers and they talk. And that's the thing I love everything they bring to the show. And if you are not listening to them, you need to stop what you're doing, even though we are past the Halloween season. Yeah. Now is the time for the pumpkin spice. Now is the time <laughs> for the witchery, you know, to come upon us. But yeah, make sure to check them out. And they go, of course, Andrea, thank you, of course, for being a member of the film family. Supercat and the Coven, you are fucking rad. They are rad. Now, if you, of course, would like us to wax your car or, you know, do a little plug and promotion, head on over to patreon.com slash nightmare junkhead. Mm-hmm. And we're actually going to be recording, technically, uh, our latest commentary for anyone in the another time uh tier yes jason x i know i'm excited about this but before we go on i want to say take a brief moment to thank corn tween ween con 
And Absolutely. I want to thank, yeah, I was a part, I was luckily and honored to be a part of this horror comedy panel that was put on by Lisa Oviez from uh, the director of Puppet Killer. And it was me, um, <clears throat> I'm going to fuck up everybody's names already. I'm sorry. I don't have them written down, <laughs> but it was um, the director of Uncle Peckerhead. It was the director of um, a movie called Spirit Animal, uh, the writer, director of the uh, Velocipastor. Brendan and um, Jeremy King, Rad Chad, and uh, from, from Scare, Scare Package. Package, and Aaron um, Barocas, I believe his name is, <clears throat> from uh, who directed this great little short called Half Cocked. It's super funny, but we did it for Quarantine Quarantine Con, and it was this online virtual con for free, and it was a lot of fun, and there was a lot of cool stuff, and I just wanted to say thank you for letting me be a part of that. It was I moderated a panel for horror comedy, and it was it. it I, I think it came out okay. It was basically a mini Panic Fest reunion for the most mm-hmm. part, with a lot of the films that had played there originally. Mm-hmm. So seeing a lot of those faces, because I I watched from afar, technically from yeah. as we do with these new panels nowadays, and it was a blast. And I won't lie. When you all mentioned Black Dynamite and you did a dynamite, dynamite, I did I mean, it at home. You have to. If somebody says that Black Dynamite, you got to go dynamite, dynamite. It's almost it's uh, a Pavlovian thing, but I'm hoping is. they start that now. But no, it was wonderful because it was a good chance to listen to people that are producing a horror comedy because that is a tough hybrid occasionally. It is. It is. And as you guys discussed, there are some people out there that do not like horror in their comedy, or I should say comedy in their horror, right. they don't want them to intermix. I think that's wrong. I think you're shooting yourself in the foot and you're limiting yourself. It's the same argument of the people who don't like to watch foreign films because of the subtitles. Fucking just get over yourself and read. Like, same thing. You get over yourself and have a laugh. Like, you can't... If you can't enjoy horror and comedy, two of the great catharsis... Now, I understand if you don't like all horror and comedy, because comedy is subjective. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. Horror is subjective, so that's a fine line. But to dismiss all of it, that's, that's asinine, and it's very short-sighted. I think by label... By labeling, you're limiting in yes, many ways. Absolutely, in many ways. But this leads us like to like Lisa said, get that gatekeeper shit out of here. You know, right, right. And I mean, that's 100 percent what it is. Let people enjoy what they like without right. trolling them. Right, which is why something, why we try to be again a podcast of positivity. I know it sounds kind of silly occasionally, but it was fun to watch along with that, and it was just nice to see everyone interact with each other. Because I will say. Everyone looked like they had a genuine good time. I hope so. so. I know I had a good time. No. So thank you for doing that, man. That mm-hmm. was wonderful. That was wonderful. Yeah. So well, thank you, Rebecca. And thank you, Lisa. And thank you, everybody at Quarantine. Uh, keep fucking that name up. That's a tongue twister for me. Quarantine.com uh, or dot con. And everybody out there, thank you so much. And it was a blast. And I hope to see you all again. And yeah. Maybe we'll maybe we'll see if we'll get some of them back on the show. That'd be dope because we had a few of them it, on there already before from Panic. Go back to uh, this last April, actually, in which we produced a month's worth of content from the Panic Film Festival. That seems so long ago, though, dude. Doesn't I was it? talking to them off mic uh, before the panel saying hello to the people I saw again. And I was like, can you believe that was in January? That feels like three years and like time has moved differently since that Friday the 13th, technically, right? right? No, but um, you've you guys touched upon it, actually, in the, the panel, the 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 balance of horror and comedy or just anything with horror, horror mixed with any genre. Mm-hmm. 
it's tough. It is tough. It's a very fine line to walk. Any, like you said, anyone. And I mean, we're talking like action and horror, drama um, and horror. Uh, but also something that sometimes, again, people refuse them to, their paths to cross. But sci-fi and horror, which is again asinine because horror and sci-fi work so well together. The horrors from space. And that's just it. If you you can go back to the 1930s to when we started putting out these films, it was always something horror from beyond because it's mm-hmm. things that is out of our realm of control, our knowledge. But unfortunately, science fiction, I shouldn't say unfortunately, science fiction for the most part traditionally has always been able to represent um, analogies, yeah. metaphors in a more cerebral fashion that people, I think, are more natural to cling on to mm-hmm. and let it be a more natural. <laughs> Bar. Is oh, is there a word in Klingon for loneliness? Ah, yes. Barta. <laughs> but I think that's because people have always, uh, science fiction has always been viewed more favorably than horror. Mm-hmm. So if you add anything adjacent into your science fiction with horror, they're just like, no, 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 no. It's just sci-fi. Yeah. And again, I understand that that but horror good horror can also do the same thing look at the thing oh yes the thing is 100 percent sci-fi horror and look even even without movies look at look at a war of the worlds oh yes how is that not sci-fi horror and how if it's meant to make you scared it's horror if it's meant to if there's like scary shit in there and what could be scarier than something again coming from space where we are no longer the top it goes into kind of your whole uh, premise of the food chain. Exactly. Once you're a little bit wrong, that's not good. And when something else comes into your territory and fucks you up from the inside or out, that's awful. Now, even putting yourself in an airplane, is that putting you outside your realm of control in terms of the food chain? No, because if I fall, nothing's going to eat me. So uh, as, as long as you don't go out of the atmosphere, right. you're good. Where, where, there's still Toros around. Then I'm okay. <laughs> that works. That totally works. Again, it works with your philosophy of life. <laughs> if we're staying true to that. But I do like it when you can merge science fiction with your horror. Predator. It, predator. Oh, I mean, well, listen. I'm not saying that, like, Life Force has anything to say about, like, British parliamentary procedures. But it's just a pure, awesome science fiction horror film. It's a great science fiction. Space vampires? Naked space vampires? Come on now, man. That's not a great. That is great sci-fi no matter how you look at it. And, I mean, if you go back to last year's uh, Into the Mouth of March Madness winner, 1979's Alien. Exactly. One of the great science fiction horror films. Absolutely. And I... Love the melding of them, I, whether it's fusion, whether it's some Cronenberg-esque. And Cronenberg himself mm-hmm. is a master of that. And, I, you know, the entirety of this month, we wanted to go ahead and focus on horror from above and the films that fall into the sci-fi horror realm. Mm-hmm. And number one, we had to leave out a lot of films. There's a lot of good stuff that we had to leave out. And we wanted to go with a few things that might have been a little bit more, I don't want to see underseen, but maybe... Didn't get the appreciation of the time, mm-hmm. uh, fell under some people's radar potentially. Or good time to revisit if it's been a long time since we've seen it. Well, especially if you want to talk about in terms of relevance when yes. you watch it. Again, good uh, horror 
can withstand the test of time because there's going always going to be that fear. Same thing with good sci-fi. If mm-hmm. it's if it's prescient and you can make it relevant, it's going to stand the test of time. And then eventually, when things are well, it becomes a cautionary tale. Exactly. But regardless, it stays in the cycle because if even the, even though it's in a and I should say educating you. It still entertains. Mm -hmm. So whether it's the subtext or the text, it works regardless. Yes. And that's when you get some amazing work. And holy moly, 2009's District 9. I saw it in the theater. Mm -hmm, Me too. But I haven't seen it since that theatrical visit in 2009. That's that's a long time. 11 years? 11 years. Golly. I might have seen it maybe once or twice since then, but... Since I've seen those once or twice, it's probably been at least 10 years. Okay. Oh, no, no, not that long. I'm sorry. Maybe about at five or six or seven. Enough time. Let's Enough just say. Enough to where I yes. just remember. It's not like, and I've seen that, but it's almost like, you know, I remember really enjoying it. And I remember some of the beats, but I almost like it better now than I did then. Well, and I'm just saying, I've mentioned it. We've mentioned it throughout, especially here in 2020. Yeah. The baggage you bring truly reflects. Just, you know, filters your experience of the film. And man, within the first 10 to 15 minutes of this film, I didn't feel drained, but I was engaged. Mm-hmm. And again, it just was so relevant in terms of the civil unrest. The All you have to do is insert one person for another. And yeah. District 9 becomes a total reflection of things. And at the same time, though, it's one of the ooeyest and gooeyest body horror sci-fi films that I've seen in quite some time as well. It is way gnarlier than I remembered. I remember I remember being, oh, that was kind of gory. But watching on this, like, this is fucking violent and it's wonderful. But it doesn't even start out that way. It's a slow burn action sci-fi horror found footage um, drama. It is, you want to talk about... Action a, drama. It's it's hard enough to put the sci-fi and the horror to make it, you know, work really well. But then, like you said, it adds all those other components to a mm-hmm. movie that for, if all those things involved, all those things combined, you have to be kind of a crazy alchemist to make that work. Yeah. And I, you know what, Neil Blomkamp, he must be one because the this time, this viewing, like I said, it blew me away. I was, again, totally engaged with the movie. Absolutely. Um, I was... Having issues with the main character, which we'll get to, just yeah. in terms of the complexities of it. Um, not really having a protagonist for the most part. No. Um, the gore and the horror, the body horror. Oh, yeah. Blew my mind. It, it's insane. And the fact that you're saying it's already trying to tightrope walk these elements that it's throwing in. But the fact that you make it a thinly veiled um, metaphor for apartheid. And then at, to this day, it's a thinly veiled for the civil unrest that we're going in through right now. And to still be entertaining, pseudo educational. I mean, it makes you more aware. It's not saying this really happened, but it makes you more aware of things that don't. I think people will backtrack into the reality mm-hmm. and educate themselves. Especially if they see it recently and see some of the parallels and where that's coming from and what it is a direct response to, which a lot of good horror and a lot of good sci-fi is. And so for it to tightrope this walk and still 11 years later, um, graphic-wise, hold up. Story-wise, hold up. Technology-wise, hold up. And unfortunately theme wise hold up Uh to do all that and still like you said entertain that is truly a a really hard feat to do and that's why this viewing was so rewarding because i was enjoying all of those things coming into play yes i remembered the found footage aspect and back in 2009 
I'll, Amy was not big into that kind of stuff. So I already knew going into that theatrical experience like this may not be the best one because of, but that was only bits and pieces of it. Yeah. It, it, it worked with the narrative wherever it needed to be mm-hmm. and it didn't take me out of it. And then you'd get the theatrical things happening within the movie, which I really enjoyed. Um, and the fact that it's played as a documentary. And the fact that even you get like the news, news, exp- news, boys, news, boys, blah, blah, blah. news, exploitation, no, news, um, news, boy, I'm trying to say um, news and exploit, uh, uh, exposition, exposition, news, exposition, news, position. news, news, position. Holy smokes. <laughs> the dip. <laughs> where's it's hard today man news position my goodness <laughs> but i actually enjoy the news position because mm-hmm. the way it's presented and i i cut the cord of the cable right so i don't have cable tv anymore so the bits and pieces i get from news technically will come from social media or youtube clips so going back to that was a little bit nostalgic because i haven't been force feeding myself that you know the past Mm -hmm. news cycle at this point so i kind of enjoyed that little bit those bits and pieces of getting the background of how the aliens came here yeah what has become of them how we have been dealing with that and then you then get thrust into this like you said this mockumentary documentary style feel of this character and then boom we're off and they they basically it's just it's incredible. And then it comes back to it later on with the helicopters and like we are breaking news. There is some shit going on right now in District Nine, and so it like comes back to it, and like you never grow tired of every style because it takes it does a lot of styles. It does the found footage style, then pseudo shaky cam action, mm-hmm. but not a lot, not enough where it's distracting, and then full on like emotional parts and where you feel for characters, and it starts like more like a movie and pacing along. But each style never outwears its welcome. And when it comes back, you're like, okay, cool. I'm still along for this ride. It's never distracting. And again, I'm not the biggest fan of found footage movies, so that can distract me a lot. But this never did. And that's the other thing. I was afraid initially, like, oh, I'm curious how you would react because I know you're not a fan of found footage. And when you walked away from this film, you're just like, oh, my goodness. You Mm kind of had the same reaction I did. I was like, I was blown away by this. I was not really prepared for the reaction. No, I was so... In, I was like, okay, I've seen this movie before. I remember beats of it, and I remember really liking it, and so I put it on. And not like... When I go to rewatch a movie for the show, I'm never, like, dismissive of it or even, like... Eh. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm going to watch this movie and, like, you know, play with the cats a little bit or something. And But I found myself, like, just sitting and, like, and just engrossed in the story and the visuals and everything about it and some of the beats... And like, remember thinking like, Vickis, you're a fucking asshole. And then Vickis, you're redeeming yourself. And then Vickis, you're a fucking asshole again. And then God damn it, Vickis. And like, Thomas Johnson is like, and his little boy. Oh, no, Christopher Johnson. Christopher Johnson. Because I had the weirdest thing where I thought they said Christopher Robin. And I was thinking, oh, oh prawn. It was just. Hello, prawn. It was. Do ex- you have any honey today? It was any just. cat food? <laughs> No, no, it was weird. It was weird, but it, no, Christopher Johnson. Everything happens. <laughs> but no, him and his his little boy. I love the relationship between mm-hmm. that and the fact that, like any good science fiction slash horror film, when we look at the ultimate villain, it's us. Yeah, and this I think would play great with Starship Troopers. 
just as a because sci- Starship Troopers is definitely a straight sci-fi action, but it's also definitely horror adjacent mm-hmm. completely, and a little bit of comedy and satire, a lot of comedy a and satire, a huge portion of this. But this isn't so much satire Mm-mm. as it is just really a reflection of everything. It's almost like the other side of the coin of Starship Troopers, and then the fact that it's done in such a realistic way like yeah. if aliens were stranded of course the government would build something and try to put them into terrible situations and of course people would exploit them um like the gang leaders do of course they would be treated as second class citizens you know and exactly looking at the what we have right now they are basically refugees and without uh, without a queen they're just stranded and well get out of our country and blah 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 blah, blah. and you're like Holy shit. And although, like I said, it happened this, this uh, uh, for South African apartheid back in the day, oh, yeah. it still plays so prescient now. And that was so engaging about it. Thinking like, God damn, we haven't changed at all. And I would understand some of the fears, especially after what we've seen. Are they coming back? Will they fucking oh. destroy us? Are we going to reap what we sowed? Because there are people who are genuinely trying to help the aliens for lack of a better term even though it's negative in the movie prawn but at the same time what else we're gonna call them right so like there was genuine people like look you gotta treat prawns a little bit better and then even vicus at the beginning was like oh fuck these prawns and like doing terrible shit to them and then again the way that the government and the officials handled them like you have 24 hours sleep why just sign here. You're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. And everybody's like, I have every right to be here as anybody else. And you feel bad for these aliens because they really they're there just to because and they have nowhere else to go. The specter of apartheid. I mean, the fact that they it was it was the, like the 60s to the 90s, roughly. I mean, there was that stretch. And just think about that it was the 1990s apartheid segregation. Think about here in the United States. Yeah. The 1950s. That's nothing in terms of history. So the fact that this film does address that and it felt real. Yeah. And that's the thing. It felt like an actual human response to alien interaction. And I think that's why the aliens haven't really wanted to reveal themselves because like these people are fucked up, you know. So but yeah, again, and then when you find out that they're doing experiments on the guys like, hey, we're here to help. And like meanwhile, the shady shit underneath and even human life was whatever you mentioned, of course, the one of the things that the humans are going to do we're of course we're going to also try to exploit weapons right and that particular company which wickis is part of which i'm not going to say the fact that he is the son-in-law of the owner of everything so in terms of nepotism yeah and the bureaucracy of that whole component and how that goes down and how it becomes Again's ring true very much so there's a lot of number of things that this that comes to this film but when you get the insight to everything and you see him and the fact that they've established that they have they have a little bit of insight to the culture of everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And but again, there's just so many assumptions and there's um, stereotypes involved with yeah. them. And the whole the cat food thing that comes into play, which actually plays into drugs and throwing things into addiction and then the exploitation of all that. It's just it's heavy stuff. There's a lot of heavy shit in there. But I never felt like I was being preached to Mm -mm. first and foremost because as you have all those things going on but then at the same time you have one of the ooeyest and gooeyest movies which I think we have one Peter Jackson to thank for. (laughs) Yes. It was all Peter Jackson. Uh, It was funny when I was talking to somebody about this and they're like no not, not, not Lord of the Rings Peter Jackson. I'm like no, I said, no, Frighteners Peter Jackson, Dead Alive Peter Jackson. And how many people probably spot talk about reverse engineering 
reverse engineered from <laughs> from you shall not pass to I love bread pudding just like mother used to make. You know, like <laughs> even worse. Imagine people that found Meet the Feebles and they thought, you know, they see the cover Peter with the Jackson's Muppet Show. Well, this is supposed to be his family friendly, friendly <laughs> fair he did over in New Zealand. Let's check this out. Oh my lord! <laughs> what is that hippo doing? <laughs> yeah, that's a. You, you know, he's actually. I think he's thinking about. He's trying to get those uh, all put out on Blu-ray. <laughs> so eventually, wonderful, wonderful. A, a triple feature of bad taste meet the feebles and dead alive on Mm -hmm. blu-ray would Mm -hmm. be kind of glorious (laughs) but no peter jackson produced this film and he bring you 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 feel that early peter jackson feel when it comes to the gore when it comes to the horror and when it comes to some of the humor as well yeah with some of the levity well i mean but even before that when we're before the gore happens like you're seeing these acts of atrocity and horrible shit first of all the prawns looked cool Oh, um, like the, the the prawns looked super super cool. The melding of CGI and practical in this movie works so well, especially for being eleven years dated. I remember in the theater going, bl- my mind blown, like that looked so real. And I think the fact that it looked real and the fact that the situations made it feel real that added to the whole like maybe I am watching a documentary thing, you know? So well, the fact that it didn't take me out at all, mm-mm. and that I actually took a second to marvel at the fact that it held up so well is yeah. more of a compliment. Yeah. Because how many times have we watched films post-Jurassic Park that have really bad CGI that does indeed take you out of the film? Absolutely. But going back to the gore of it, <clears throat> even before the body horror, even before people exploding, you see like terrible shit being done to the prawns and to the part where he goes look it's all these babies and they're still like not <gasps> even born i forgot about that moment me too and he and and they're pulling and he goes look all we do is he take turn this one off take this one off so and then they're all gonna and on about it I mean, basically he's he's murdering an or a nursery and and then he goes, you hear that pop? It's like popcorn. That was, so so the baby's trying to get out and they can't. And then they pop like it's kind of, see, it's, it's fun. And he's laughing at this as and they set like, fire to it. it right. Is Our un- hero, ladies and gentlemen, you know what I'm saying? And so th- that was horrifying before any like guts and gore going on. I remember just being like, oh, he's killing a nursery of these prawns. So that sets and asks the question, does he truly find himself redeemed by the end of the movie? Because we, this movie is told through his perspective and uh, Christopher Johnson's as well. But he is our protagonist mm-hmm. as much as a flawed protagonist as he is because he's he's motivated by love, which is good. Yeah. Don't get us wrong. But and also will, and, and willful ignorance. Like he, he knows he's doing horrible shit, but he's all in the name of the good company for the he, greater good. Right. He's almost like like the Nazi guard. Well, and that's just it. But also his naivety. Is is it just due to his incompetence? Yeah, he's a he's bumbling. He's a bumbling dude. Again, I'm not saying we're drawing parallels here of you know the nepotism involved, but yeah, sometimes that's not necessarily a good thing. Sometimes you need the quality, the good help, so to speak. Um, okay, so this was actually Neil Blomkamp's. This whole in terms of how the movie came about was initially this was supposed to be a Halo movie. Now. Halo is something that I can go, I've played that. I played it. I played Halo 1 and 2. But I can totally see this. I no, I think he was, I think this was, wasn't this a, a short first? And well, then, it was. And then, and then they wanted him to do the Halo movie. Based on, based, yeah. And the short is called Alive from Joburg. And it's on YouTube. Highly recommend to check it out because it is such a proof of concept 
and it's amazing in terms of what they created from the movie. If you watch the the little short, mm-hmm. I mean, the short sets up that yes, they came down, they've been exploited. We have this apartheid situation, and that's what it is. The fact then that they craft this character based journey again of a flawed protagonist, shorts? it really works. And again, through a variety of narrative devices, and the, again, the gore, the violence. It but just, I like incredible. the I like the fact that he's still sticking to that. How he does that, like he wants to make a little short film first, saying, "Hey, look what I got." It's ready to go whenever anybody else is. And he's got all these shorts out there yes. and they're all pretty, pretty good. And they're all terrifying. And he's like, my proof of concept and I'm ready to rock, you know? And, but <laughs> Lola, go lay down, sweetie. You're good. <laughs> but, um, no, uh, what he does is with this movie is just fantastic he does this horrible shit and again you don't know who to root for except the prawn well no it, it becomes but very easy to root for them when the body horror hits right out because you already see these atrocities being said then the next thing you know you see Vic is slowly transforming and he's just pulling off his fingernails and which anytime you give me an homage to 1986 is the fly mm-hmm. in such a way that i here's this i couldn't watch i i remember that scene coming up I turned away. I did not watch. And the same thing with the teeth. I That is the stuff that gives me such the heebie-jeebies. That's the really super effective body horror. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It just, and to the, this day. And then the fact when he's, like, poking it, he's, he's like, ah, he's like, it's it's me now, you know? Well, this is cl- classic Cronenberg in terms of the body horror and mm-hmm. how it overtakes him and how, sadly, again, the organization that he works for First thing they look to do is to exploit him. Yeah, and scapegoat him. And then they're like, okay, well, let's... And the fact that they're so callous, like, here, let me help you. And now we're going to harvest you. Yes. And, and he goes, is he going to survive? And while his stepdad is right there and the doctor's like, absolutely not. We need everything. And then the one head of the company's like, okay, do it. Yep. And the guy's like... And Vic is just like, what? <laughs> it's still alive. That They're doing all this shit to him. Still alive. It plays very much like a Johnny got his gun kind of moment um but it does lead the, to that that whole testing thing when they're the reason they need him so badly and the fact that he has be, he's melded so well is they can't operate any of the alien weaponry right which when they just and, and and just in terms of just overall design doesn't that look like something out of a video game absolutely looks out of a video game and in I, fact, it can't looks like out right out of halo 2 okay okay and listen, or half-life 2 you are my modern video game expert because i know not a lot again a lot of that is and i've played that mm-hmm. i know from what i've seen online and things like that but it made me immediately think of something that i would see in modern gaming oh yeah it fucking had the gravity gun it had the fucking gravity gun where you just like poof the fact that he could actually pick up a pig and throw it at was 100 percent on the half-life too but it was also sweet the fact that he could use like the gravity gun to grab everybody's bullets and when they introduced the mech at the beginning i was like that better be Chekhov's mech because if they don't if they don't utilize a mech you're doing it wrong if you have the if you have a mech suit there you use it, you know, whether it's in real life or in the script. If you have a mech suit, you need to use it. And they did it, and they did it well. I remember thinking, I remember seeing this movie with my brother. And my brother was a huge, was a huge still is a huge gamer, huge gamer. And um, he played all those games. Mm-hmm. And he goes, they finally did the weapons right. 
And I go, all right, ooh, all right. Ooh, all right. that kind of approval. All right. Now, I understand that because they did. And they were so unique weapons with the electricity that just splatters people. But the testing of them was the fucked up thing. Because when they started bringing live ammunition and they started bringing, they started the other, zapping it. Yep. Like, Vickers doesn't shoot. Vickers doesn't fuck. Right? And they said. <laughs> wow. And Neil Blomkamp's the baby. The baby. <laughs> oh, no. Right. Uh, <laughs> but um no <laughs> but then they brought in one of the prawns and he goes i don't want to shoot i'm not gonna shoot nope and then and then like no you will even when he goes no okay before they brought the live and okay i'll fire i'll fire that's cool no 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 we got you it's like that was a fu- that was terrible that was more scary than anything oh. else in the movie again it, it reveals the the horribleness of humanity yeah and at its core, any good horror film or sci-fi film, that's that's ultimately what the the worst thing is, the antagonist of the film. And, and when, then even the, the, the drug lord, oh, that, well, the one and, that he was exploiting people and the fact that he thought that if he was eating the people. Now, I know some people have issues with the film because of the way they are represented, the Nigerian warlords in this, as a little bit more, I'm going to say the, the S-word, savage, uh, is that fair? Do you think because this is, do you think because this film is kind of rooted in a reality that I'm that sure seems there's more, drug lords? I mean, they, I mean, listen, we're fans of Predator too, so you know right. we know the. Uh, but like, like they said in the movie, wherever there's poverty and wherever there's a, that it can be exploited, that that's when the drugs and the crimes come in. And and I'm I'm not saying that oh all the Nigerians the crime lords, but I'm just saying that you have to have a crime lord somewhere. You know, I mean, like, and the fact that these were very scary and the fact that they're like eating people. Oh, yeah. No, it's there are so many horror, straight horror moments in this movie and and scattered throughout. And it works because then you get moments of tenderness, but then you get moments when they're trying to tenderize something so they can remove the arm. But everything was tense. Again, this was a very tense and you're like focused on that. Like um, the scene where he has Vickus and he's going to chop off his arm. That was tense. Um, and that's actually where we get the using of the, the weapons for the first time mm-hmm. when he wields it. And it's that initially that what's that? It's like that force gun. Yes. Which just I remember watching. This. So I saw this. At Screenland Armor, back in 2009, and people reacted in the movie when every time a new weapon was wielded and we saw what it did, what it did it or was, undid to it was people, rad. people reacted. I, re- I was like, oh, because it was amazing. Yeah. And it was those moments that you get of the catharsis of the film because you need that release somehow because, like you mentioned, there's not a lot of laughs. Mm-mm. So you got to release somehow and you get that release in the violence and the comeuppance that ultimately does make its way eventually. Because the violence is so over the top, it's extremely comical. And the fact that it's done so well, because, again, like you said, when all the weapons are introduced, it's a thing of awesomeness, because this was 2011, right? 2009. 2009. This was before the superhero genre was, like, in full bloom. This was a year after Iron Man came out. So this was still all very new, and the fact that, again, we haven't seen weapons like that done quite as well, especially in the sci-fi world. It's kind of incredible to think that it's something that doesn't have an IP already, like an original thought, did as well as it did. Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, this has been an 11-year gap for me to watch this movie and for it to play wonderful then. But for all the little moments, did you notice little bits and pieces, the toilet paper that they were thrown about? Palm. 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 
one prawn of the dead. <laughs> but, <laughs> but again, I think the only person that I really felt, I mean, I, you feel bad for Vickis because he is going through some shit and he does go on that redemptive yes. arc. Yes. But you feel so bad for um, Christopher. Oh, 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 yes. When he has to see his friend die. After a 20-year journey, a 20-year gathering thing to make that little bit of fuel to make everything work. And he was so tender with his son, like, Dad, what about your friend? And he Ooh. goes, I know, but I, there's nothing we can do. And that moment of rage he has when he's like, you go out and look for people, he allows himself a moment and then controls himself. Yeah, Our, that moment of Jesus just bangs and then The prom like, characters are just He was a compli- fully realized yes. character. That was great about it. It was not. It was nice because, like, you need someone to identify with, and that for me was the character I did identify with. That and the kid. I just loved the kid. His natural, inquisitive nature. Uh, it's the candy man or the sweetie man. Kind of <laughs> creepy, actually, though yeah, technically. And I even just burn an orphanage, not but oh, ten minutes prior. Oh, that yeah. And again, it's those moments, and like when the violence hits, like when they're going through the eviction notice, and a lot yeah. of them start reacting violently, and you feel like the 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 thrust of their strength when like they first strike and like you see someone get just an arm torn an arm off. just ripped off like it was nothing you realize the level of violence you're in for and like i said these are things that are steadily strewn throughout mm-hmm. and i just remember reacting the first time just having fun but also reacting to the severity of the message yeah. as well but like i said again i never felt preached to throughout this mm-hmm. film i felt mm-hmm. like i was Ultimately, learning a darker history, Side of humanity, yeah, that, 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 that we have we, something that has happened, but we've just never seen mm-hmm. because, like, either we were young and didn't understand just it, it, or you know, we didn't. I hate a lot of people nowadays just don't care. But the fact when you can show something that's engaging and engrossing and mm-hmm. make people care, then you're like, oh, because I wonder how many people, like you said, are going to go back and like, oh this kind of shit already happened mm. this kind of shit is happening it's the battle star it has happened once it'll happen again right it, it's just so weird because you feel so bad for the prawns oh I mean, of course and, but you and you sort of feel bad for vicus and you're glad that he's going on this redemptive arc at the same time it's also like you're still kind of an asshole dude oh, yeah. all the way up to the very very end even when he wouldn't let the the dad in when he was getting plummeted by uh, he was very he was motivated by his johannesburg stone cold you said well yeah well he that entire merc group right there that merc group was fucked up dude what's up with merc groups being always fucked up i, I think it's the same crew maybe that rambo had in the fourth film there <laughs> yeah, where the you're gonna care. you're gonna get a surly like former sas agent or someone with that, an accent <laughs> that just thinks they're smarter than they truly are, but they're also psychotic enough to just kill you without a second thought. The fact that he goes, oh, I love killing prawns. I love oh. killing you guys. Yeah. Oh, there, again, the moments where, again, not saying that certain There's types draw and are, are drawn out to that kind of, it's... A, We've seen it. We're yeah. not We're not saying anything that hasn't fucking happened, you know? Yeah, so. again, it's, 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 it's a sober, it was a sobering rewatch. Mm-hmm. But an enjoyable one. I know. I, and, an and it's so funny one. we keep coming back to that because I know with some people it seems like, ah, I don't want that to meld. But listen, it balances everything so, so well. It's with unreal. The violence, the gore, the small bits of levity. Because it was funny when he gets that shit thrown in his face. But it wasn't <laughs> It wasn't like, haha, funny. It was like, that's what you get, asshole. You know, but that kind of catharsis. And then it just keeps going from there it just ramps up ramps up ramps up where you're still engrossed and engaged and also you're tensed up because like 
everybody i don't even know if i'm gonna survive this firefight the fact that they basically throw in like a mini heist film within the it turned into heat i wrote that down i'm like all of a sudden it turned into fucking heat we just got finished being somewhat captured by the bad guys and then more bad guys come and they pull i was waiting for like them to put down like like hockey masks and like val kilmer come out of nowhere hey prawn why you want to know what i'm reading about why you want to be in my business uh, it's, uh, it's but Michael it, Mann's District Nine, but like, <laughs> I'd probably watch yeah, that I'd watch actually. That too. I'd watch Neil Blokamp's Heat. I, well, <laughs> so we kind of already did, and then like, oh shit! Now there's a full-on firefight with Vickis and Christopher right in the fucking middle of it. And you, you do have urgency for Christopher. You want him to get home. You yeah. want him to activate the ship. And then when you finally see the mech suit in full-on glory. The thing of fucking beauty, dude. And the fact, though, for him to activate it, he he has to become part of it. Like you see, it starts to drill into his head. Yeah. You see all these things that probably, if he was gone in full transformation, maybe had been a little bit more. Wouldn't been so bad, but the fact that he's still human could still operate everything. And oh, it's it is pretty glorious. I'm not gonna lie. And then there were multiple kind of first person point of views. There were a few where you could tell the camera was right in front of the person, so Uh you almost had like a weird third. But it wasn't overdone, which no, is what I like. Peppered it was throughout. Just a sprinkle here, a sprinkle there, just enough to give it flavor. Because it, that's the thing. If you overdo something like that, it's going to be very distracting. I still hardcore haven't seen Henry. Hardcore Henry because I don't know if I want to just because of that. Because I like found footage and I like first person. But no, 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 no let, me, let me take that back. I like some first person stuff and I. And I'm growing to appreciate more found footage when it's not like paranormal activity sure. type found footage, you know, more like gags found footage. Yeah. Um, but I like it more when it's just kind of sprinkled. And when they do that, you see that a lot more in action movies when they start doing that first person oh, shaky yeah. cam. It takes super distracting and like not trying to shameless plug, but something me and Dustin have talked about um, on Media Rewind is when you do too much shaky cam you're hiding the fact that you're fucked up somewhere or something's not 100 percent the way it should be but that wasn't here all the action in this was so seamlessly done and again the blending of the cgi and the live action and the practical works so fucking well so well like did the first explosion you see and it just covers everybody with like gore and viscera just it was so it was like holy shit i forgot how gory this was you see peter jackson laughing from afar going i got your mates <laughs> no again it's i'm kind of amazed how well this held together and i i i'm not even saying i went in with low expectations i was looking forward to to watch it because i remember enjoying it so much but I just wasn't really prepared for the effect it had on me, this viewing. This wasn't, and, and especially with the ending, I remember it being a downer, but not, not necessarily not necessarily a downer, mm-hmm. but this was, again, like the Batman ending. It's not the Batman you wanted, it's the Batman you deserved. When I, I forgot that it was like three years, and for the, he's like, three years, you know? But if you think, though, three years versus the 20 years of Is all the exploitation of all yeah. the, the people that have died to the prawns that have passed like i mean it's legitimately that's easy math but from his perspective but also he's hopefully gonna be able to adjust then yeah you know and just does he come back in three years I, we don't know and then again i almost felt kind of bad for the other prawns out there as they were going away and their ship was leaving and they're looking up they're like hey what about us hey, yeah. and i was thinking the same thing i'm like Dude, that's kind of fucked up. If I was a prawn and I was just like, 
Hey, where are they fucking go? Hey, I, I was I was on your newsletter, man. I saw nothing, you know, printed about this. What is going it's on like here? You just tell me, first you tell me I'm gonna get evicted, then you go, then you go and take my whole entire ship. What the fuck? You know, I would. <laughs> on that day, Christopher Johnson made a few enemies. Right. I I was I was I genuinely like man, that's kind of fucked up. That's again kind of a bummer ending, but again again for the greater good. Yeah. And then it was kind of ambiguous with like, is he coming back? Because we. Will he come back for vengeance? Will he come back in a peacekeeping rally? Will Certainly. he? How how will he come back? Because in all actuality, with just one mech, they leveled entire District Nine, right? So like, if they come back with a full force, mm-hmm. we could be devastated. But oh, if yeah. they come back in a, he was like, well, you know what, Vicus was cool, and uh, there was some humans that tried to help, and just that's just it. Like, does the the intent and the actions of those few? Does that alter at all what the majority of people did? Yeah. To their pe- I mean, it's it's rough. I mean, it's again I, political thing. I mean, and that we try not to get political on the show, but like we just finished an era right now oh. of a lot of civil unrest, and now we have to wait three years to see if things will get good again. Oh yeah, no, you know, it takes a while. T- to... It takes time. And again, has there been too much damage? Between the prawns and the and, and and the MUN, where everything is di- and where everything is in disarray, and if the prawns decide to overtake, you know, or come back, and where are we? Yeah. You know, a lot of ethical and moral questions brought up in this action sci-fi first-person found footage movie. You know, it's like what the fuck. It's, I forgot how good this movie was. Mm-hmm. I liked this movie significantly better than when I remember. I remember really enjoying it and be like, man, that was fucking rad where they exploded that dude and the prawns were cool and the effects were great. And I'm still like fucking when they exploded. It was rad. So 2009 genius really dug the sugary side of the right? frosted mini week. But, but now now the adult in me likes the, the social commentary and the kind of the pseudo bummer ending and the. And the parallels. Yeah. But I still also like the explosion and the fucking mechs and all that shit. Of course. You know, I there's, think it's dope. Again, there's a balance there. Um, Wickus's wife. I So the last conversation when they were able to triangulate him finally, was she in on that or was that actually, was that really her calling? Or I was think- that... I think a little bit of both. Okay. I, I couldn't she, tell. I think she wants the best for Vickis, but I think she also wants to see maybe they'll help. Mm-hmm. But I think she's also curious. But... There's a part of me that thinks it wasn't because he keeps leaving her flowers. And even when she says, um, the, every, all my friends tell him it's just trash. Right. Somebody left on there, just throw it away. And he goes, she goes, no. And then you see him making mm-hmm. the flower. I was like, that is extremely sweet. It is. It is. It's it's bittersweet. But with the fact f- that he still risks his life to go out of District 9 Weird. into johannesburg proper mm-hmm. to leave flowers mm-hmm. you know after he's been convicted of being a goddamn prawn tiddler oh, yeah that's that was that was the rough part you have that sex was... with the demon you have sex with the demon and again i'm i'm not sure if that is peter jackson's early day influence but that's something that could have come out of bad taste or meet the feebles yeah Again, you can see his imprints everywhere on the film. But it makes it, it again makes it takes more, government like using him as a scapegoat and turning people against him and like oh, if yeah. you see him, call him, we need him, you know? No, it's 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 so quickly how the propaganda works and yeah. how easily people can be turned against you. Ah, oh, this was a taxing viewing, but a great viewing. I needed a I breath was, afterwards. Yeah. I, I along it like whew, 
I was both energized, but also I did need a second as well. Mm-hmm. But I did go back and start reading some things. And again, sadly, looking at the atrocities, recent atrocities yeah. that have gone on. Now, I will say this. We are recording this episode here on uh, November 8th. Uh, let's just say, you know, th- people have taken a deep breath. They've relaxed, but people have exhaled yeah, and unclenched. But- We've we've got we've had we've had we've, we put out the bad. We're going to start breathing in the good mm-hmm. now, but I think part of it was this kind of film. It did help, yeah, with that healing and looking and seeing again. Cautionary tale or prescient? Let's keep it in the rotation because it's entertaining regardless. Yeah. but depending on what's going on at the time, it's going to play a little bit different potentially, and that's kind of the beauty of a film like this, and yeah. why I think we'll still be talking about it many years later. Absolutely, and again, so, I, I think this is going more. I don't think it's going to be five years until I see it again. No, I think actually, hopefully, uh, we'll be viewing this again lately and go, ah, cautionary tale. Yeah. So now that being said, we do have a few more episodes this month where we are going to be looking at the stars from the skies. But final thoughts on District 9, Genius. It's thoroughly enjoyable. <laughs> I think people need to see it. I think if you haven't seen it, see it. If you haven't seen it in a while, see it, especially with modern eyes. Yes. And it is available on Tubi right now, which is actually how I did was able to view it. And you can probably go to Vintage Stock and buy a copy on DVD for very cheap. Is what I did. <laughs> Again, we like to promote physical media when we can. Now, next week, we're going uh, to a film that... <laughs> We viewed with a theater, uh, <laughs> talk about the theatrical experience there, uh, but one we haven't done an episode proper on. <laughs> from District 9 to what the fuck. Oh, from, yeah, indeed, indeed. We're going to be talking extra. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that means you're going to tune in or you're going to skip potentially to the week after that, but I do believe uh, we're going to be doing a look, uh, a, a proper Predators franchise retrospective. Yes. So a number of things to look <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> get it started now. But things to look above and beyond. But again, thank you all for you know joining us on this journey. So until the next time, this is Greg D. And I'm... <laughs> we'll see you in your dreams. <laughs> <laughs>